they are there. If you did not order one, but you would like one, we're going to start another order up here pretty soon so we can get a second shipment going here pretty soon. But those are hot off the press literally last night. They were still warm when he got them here this morning. So make sure you pick up yours today if you ordered one. All right, y'all please welcome Pastor Thomas this morning to come and give the word to us today. wild bunch sitting over there. Well, I've had a full week this week, every day. So I preached last Sunday morning and evening at another church on Wednesday night. Then I had stuff going on every day, all day long, morning till evening. And you know, sometimes you get that way and then you come in on a Sunday morning and you're sitting down to dinner on a Wednesday night and you get a call saying the fire alarm of the church is going on. Can somebody go turn it off? Because Everybody with the keys on vacation. <clears throat> so that was fun. So I ran out here. There was a bunch of young people who had been left unsupervised for a few minutes, and one of them decided to pull the fire alarm started. There was no fire. So I ran back home and finished my dinner. So, you know, sometimes you get that way and you go, oh, my word. Uh, by the way, I just want to say a word of appreciation. Uh, I sound really loud to myself. Is that just me? Okay, <clears throat> word of appreciation for everybody who comes and helps do things in the church. Uh, we were up here a little early today because we had to, and we've had these surprise things happening in the gym and tear down and set up. Let me tell you, it takes everybody to make this thing work. And, you know, we have to own part of the kingdom and make it work and, and work for us. And, but it reminded me that sometimes we don't thank the people enough who, uh, who do this. You know, very quietly, a lot of times you don't even see them. You come in, everything's up. Well, it didn't happen by magic, right? Um, some people worked hard to make that happen. And uh, if you want to be part of, you know, if you don't know what to do, and say, well, I wish I could do something. Well, there's something you can do right there. There's lots to do at the church building, and we can help maintain the place. How's everybody doing? Uh, okay. Woof. Uh, you know, one of the uh, interesting things I find in churches is that, and part of it is the way seminaries are designed, and, and we, we train our people that everybody thinks that there are certain things only certain people do. You know, who's the church? It's you and I. It's everybody, you know. It's not some building. It's you and I. And we're the church. And every member, every part of the church serves a function. Doesn't matter whether it's small or big. And until we learn to understand that, absorb that into our way of living, I think that we'll be dissatisfied somewhat with our Christian life. And in, in many ways, God will not be able to use us as much. And we don't have as much, as many things that, well, nothing's happening with the Lord in my life. Maybe you need to find out what part you are and figure out how that's going to work. And so, but what that also does is it creates sometimes this little dichotomy. I find that, well, the preacher's job is preaching. You know, the praise and worship leader's job is leading that. And, and you know, the, the, you know, who are we hired to clean? That's their job. And the staff's job is to get all the stuff ready. And the preachers, you know. And then the rest of our job is just to come here and listen and, and put our money in the bucket or whatever it is and go home. I'm sorry. If that's what you're doing, a little wake-up call here today. There's nobody in this church who's exempt from the things that the Lord has called them to do. 
even the smallest part. I preached Wednesday on finding a place in the kingdom. You heard me give that message beginning of the year, or a version of it anyway. And we have to find out what that is. So what that does sometimes is say, well, if somebody walks into the door or encounters you on the way and you get an opportunity to share, you don't because you think, well, you know, I need to take them to somebody who's qualified to do this. Well, you're qualified. So I had this happen to me at the last church I was pastoring. Somebody came in and, and uh, this, this person brings a, a, a person who's searching and they, they want to know the Lord. And they bring them to me. And we're having this little time. And I said, I refuse to deal with them. I said, I asked the person, do you know Jesus? As one of my church members. He says, yes. You know what he's done for you? I said, well, take him over there and tell him what he did for you. His eyes just like, oh no, I can't believe he's just putting this back on me. I said, yeah, it's you. So what happens is that we lose a sense of who we are and a boldness about how we share. You know, Jesus said, what make disciples, be a witness. And what is a witness? A witness is a person who shares a thing that he has seen or heard, right? You don't need a PhD to be a witness for the Lord. You don't need to go to seminary for that. All you need to know is get with Jesus, and as he, as he shows you and gives you things and does things with you, you share those with other people. That's it. It's just that simple. It's no different than, you know, some of us who are more into, you know, boating, fishing, you know, every time you get our cars, hey, man, you know that I got this thing, and it's a cool engine, and it's got a real, you know, so many horsepower, and, you know, burns 25 tires at the same time, whatever it is. And, you know, we share all those things, right? Well, it's about what, we, what, what gets us. We get that. So we have to get the same way about the things of the Lord. We have to get that way. All right, so today what I want to talk to you about is a bold faith. It doesn't mean you go up, be obnoxious and, you know, this, if you're carrying a paper version of it, is not a club, by the way, that we beat over people's heads. It's, get saved. Jesus loves you. Otherwise, you're dying and going to hell. Get that. Smack, smack, smack. After we're over with them, they said, man, I don't ever want to have to do anything to do with those people. We should be good ambassadors of Christ. With meekness, gentleness, long-suffering, Right? Love and embrace people. Don't judge them. There's only one person who's qualified to judge, and he'll do it when the time comes. We love people. And so, so being bold about the faith is not being obnoxious about it or telling people what they did wrong. It's leading them to Jesus, some, some way of how he does. It's not always about just getting saved. If somebody does, if, if say they're a new believer, they don't know certain things. They say, well, you know, well, this is what the Word of God tells us. You be bold in your faith if you're that way. So make a point. And you've heard Pastor Jeremy talk about this before. You know, I better pull this thing out. Otherwise, I would lose track of time. And uh, yes, Ty, I'm looking at you because you want to go home in 15 minutes. But, <clears throat> but yeah, um, we will, we will uh, you know, we need to find somebody in our life that we receive from and somebody in our life that we give to make that a practice of life. So mentor somebody and be mentored. Now, it doesn't have to be a physical body. We can read. There are many mighty men of God who have written things about various things, you know. Maybe you'll learn from them. And you'll find that, you know, as the Lord speaks, you'll start getting, read your Bible, first of all. Don't just read books. All right, so what does this mean, being bold in the faith? 
It's not standing on the street corner, pulling up a bench and yelling at everybody who passes by. You know, it's not being up on stage. I mean, it means that whenever the Lord gives you an opportunity to make a stand for him, you make a stand. Don't waffle about it. It may sound weird to you. You might be in a place where it's uncomfortable, right? Um, so some weeks ago, and the Lord has been teaching me, and some of you heard some of the stories that I've, you know, so over a period of years, when, when the Lord asks you to do something, you just do it, because that's the time for it. That's where the Holy Spirit speaks. And that time will pass, and if that work doesn't get done, it'll affect somebody else's life, and it'll affect you too. So how many of you guys have heard my gas station story? Everybody's heard that one? No, my kids have, okay. All right, I'll share it for the rest of you. They've heard everything I'm going to say about 200 times probably already. Uh, so many years ago, I worked for another company and had a company vehicle. It was a big truck, and every three weeks it'd run out of gas. We had an account set up, and we'd drive over there. You guys all heard this? Should I stop this now? Anyway, uh, so I'm filling gas, you know, go, and I, the same guy, I've been filling gas there for years. Same guy's working at the counter, and that day I go in, and he's got a big sling on his arm, and, and he, he, and I said, you all right? What's wrong with the arm? He says, I got the gout. I said, I said, does it hurt? He says, yeah, a little bit. I signed the ticket and leave. I'm no sooner out of the parking lot. And the Lord says, why didn't you pray for him? I'm like, oh, don't bother me. 7.30 in the morning, I haven't had my coffee. I'm still on my way to work. You know, I'm perfect Jonah at this point in my big whale of a truck. Anyway, I get down to the Hollywood shopping center, you know, make a U-turn, come back around to the gas station, griping the whole time. But this is how stupid we are and how good God is, Okay. So I pull in, and this guy is now waiting in a full-service lane, waiting on somebody. I see this lady looking out of mirror, going, who's a strange person walking up to my car? And he turns around, and, he go, and I go, can I pray for your arm? And he goes, what? I said, can I pray for your arm? He says, yeah. So he holds it out, and this is me literally, 30 seconds or less, one breath or less. He says, Lord, I don't know why you had me come back here and pray for this guy. <laughs> That's literally what I said. But you told me to do so I just pray for his arm, pray, he'll come back and he'll see his name on me. And I left. That was it. It didn't, it didn't take much longer than that, trust me. And uh, so three weeks later, I'm, you know, that's, I just, you know, everybody has a kind of, you know, you know how long it gets. But three weeks later, I'm somewhere there getting gas again, and I go in there, and I sign my ticket and leave, and I'm about to leave, and the guy says, hey, man, I don't know what you did to my arm, but it got better. So I went and sat in my truck and cried for 30 minutes, you know, so, you know. We're, we're stupid when it comes to stuff like that, you know. Uh, last week, well, one of the messages I was preaching, you know, I, I'm a big, my favorite psalm is Psalm 23. And there's a reason why scripture uses so many references to we as the sheep and God as the shepherd. Sheep aren't very smart creatures. You know, they don't know where to go, how to get there, when to eat, when to lay down, when to move. And when they get stuck, they can't do anything about it either. All they do is bleat till the shepherd shows up and rescues them. And we should take a clue from that. So my counsel to you is if you're a sheep and you get stuck, bleat really loud, fast. Jesus will come and catch you and fix and, you know, you might even break your legs for a little while so you don't do that kind of stuff. But it's okay. Well, that's how the shepherds used to keep the sheep from straying. You know, you know that, right? Lambs who kept going away, they would, they would do a kind of a break on their leg and they carry the sheep on the shoulders. So this whole time, the sheep is on the shepherd's shoulders. He learns the shepherd's voice. And then finally, when his legs are fine, they put him back down, and the sheep knows the shepherd's voice and follows him. It was an old practice. For centuries, people have been doing that. But anyway, you don't want your legs broken. Uh, just uh, listen 
and follow. So bold faith, what does that mean? Well, every opportunity that comes up. So that's one. Uh, I'm at the lift some weeks ago, and one of the workers over there, you know, we've, I've just learned every, every relationship is an opportunity to share the Lord. Your whole life is about the kingdom. Whether you're exercising or building a house or teaching or even on vacation, doesn't matter. The Lord is always with you and he's always at work. And if you're sensitive to his Holy Spirit, even at the time that you don't want it, if you just listen, something will happen, right? So like Jonah, I mean, he had a whale spit him up, but my goodness, the guy preached and 40,000 people got saved. And what was his response? I knew you were going to do that. I just wasted all my time yelling at these people. They're dying and going to hell. And now you save 40,000 of them. Well, we get that way. We just don't say it like that. But inside us, we like, don't bother me right now. That person, I really wish I could knock them upside the head and get them straightened out. You know, the Lord had to straighten us out. And me, I mean, I don't even know why he puts up with me. I'm, all, I'm a big pain in the you know where. But the Lord is gentle. He's kind. He fixes me and gets me, you know, keeps me straight. So I want to talk to you about two sets of people, one from the Old Testament and one from the New. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3, verse 17. Everybody know where Daniel is? I know, you got so used to saying that thing up there. I said, I'm going to make them work today. Go to Daniel. And uh, let me see, I think that's right. So the whole third chapter of Daniel is the part where Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are set up to be rulers and princes, right? And then some other people come along and they decide, hey, we're going to need to get these guys. So they, they say, you know, the king set up these idols and, and he wants everybody at the sound of the trumpet to fall down and worship. And what happens? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide. They say, what do they say? So back up one verse, maybe. Verse 17. The king says, who's going to deliver you if you don't fall down and worship me, right? And what do they say? If that is so, if it is so that our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, then he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, either way, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So we are always at this point in our life every day. If you, yeah, I'm going to do this to you if you don't do this. And the enemy is always finding opportunities to create these circumstances for that so that he can rule our lives with fear and doubt and uncertainty. So they say, well, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this to you. Now, he may not say that to you verbally, but in our spirit, sometimes we feel like, well, if I don't do this, what are they going to do if I do this? At that point, you need to stop and think, what is it the Lord wants of you? And ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. There's nothing, you know, Jesus said that I've come that you might have life, you might have life abundantly, right? And what is one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit? To lead us into all manner of truth, but the rest of that sentence, he will show you things that are yet to come. We have to learn to access this particular gift that the Lord has given us. We don't have to be afraid of things going on around us. Why should we? God is our God. He spoke the world into existence. Why should we be afraid of what's going on around us? But the enemy, he's like, what is he? He's like a roaring lion. So you ever been in, have you ever been roared at by a lion? The first time I ever had it happen, I was 
six feet away from it in a zoo, and he decided to let go. Man, that went through my body. You know, like when if you sit in front of a big bass speaker and how the vibrations go. It was terrible. My whole body felt like it had been turned into jello with just a roar. I mean, it's just low frequencies do that to your body. And I'm like, no wonder people get scared of the enemy. But you know, he's a pussycat. He doesn't have any teeth. The enemy is. The Lord has pulled his teeth completely. If you're covered on the blood of Jesus, you got all the authority in the world to deal with him and say, hey, go jump in a lake. Guess what? I'm bought by the blood of the land. Look at me. I'm a saved kid. Who are you yelling at? We have to learn to do that. If we don't establish our walk and our authority, you'll be pushed around by principalities and powers. So that is why we stand in the name of Jesus. Says, stand firm in your faith. Lift up the name of the Lord. To ask things in the name of Jesus. Lift the name of the Lord as a banner of Jesus. Uh, lift up the name of the Lord as a banner over your life. Cover yourself in the blood of Jesus. Pray over your kids that way. Over your work situation. If you have stuff going crazy at work, walk in early one day and just walk up and down the hall and say, Lord, I just claim this land for Jesus because I know you brought me here to work and this nonsense does not need to exist. I rebuke that. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And just walk the halls. I do that. There'll be days when I leave music on, running all, all evening when I'm, things are going crazy. It'll be praise and worship. I'll, you turn the YouTube on and let it run. Fill the atmosphere. You have to establish that authority. It's not being obnoxious in somebody else's face, but you have to understand that where the Lord sent you, he's already prepared the work for you to do, and you have to claim the Lord, right? So the Israelites, I use another example that, you know, David never lost a battle. And he, his secret to winning, he never did. And, you know, I've been preaching kind of along similar themes all week. And I just, this is what the Lord has for you to hear. David never lost a battle. Why is that? Because he, the first thing he always did was, he, it, it, this is my, I like the King James Version where it says, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I go? If the Lord said go, it was a done deal. He still had to fight. He still had to contend with the enemies. But the battle was given to him. The Lord said, it is yours. So it doesn't exempt us from work. And that is the part where we have to be bold. You see what I'm saying? So if the Lord has given you the battle, well, it's not yours till you take it and possess it, but you have to move in the confidence that the Lord who sent you to battle and said, go, has already given it to you. Just do what you're created to do. In the name of Jesus, you will see things fall apart in front of you. I've been, I've been in rooms where things are going crazy, and I've just gone to the other room and said, Lord, I don't know, this is just nuts out here. I don't know what to do. Will you please settle this? I come back, and it's a different place. Because the enemy is agitating people. There's a war going on around us that we're not aware of because our eyes don't see. See, we live in three dimensions, X, Y, and Z, where we can see what's going on. Outside of us, there's a spirit realm going on where there's a battle for the souls of men and women and children for this world, right? What's the enemy, uh, what is the devil known as? He's, he's called well, the prince of the air, right? So there's stuff going on. Hey, you know, in case you think I'm making it up, early on in the... Uh, in the Old Testament, I'm trying to think if it was Daniel. Who was it that prayed for three weeks before the angel finally showed up? Was it Daniel? All right. Okay, so Daniel been praying for the Lord delivering, and finally it says the angel came to him. He said, I'd have been here sooner, but I was delayed because he had a fight for three weeks. So sometimes it takes a while of praying and fasting and getting others to pray with you to go and fight against principalities and power and powers that have set themselves against you because they know who you are, see? 
And you need to know who you are and be bold in the Lord so that they know not to mess with you. This is not some light matter I'm taking on, especially if you have children and if you're the Lord. The Lord has called us all to ministry. It's not my job or Lynn's job, Pastor Jeremy's. It's all our job. The kingdom belongs to us. But in order for us to own the kingdom, we have to be bold and go when the Lord says. So this is what he's doing. Now, there are benefits to being bold, even into being thrown into the fire. See, if you go further down in that chapter to verse 20, 23, I believe, through 25. So they threw three people in the fire, and the king all of a sudden says, didn't we throw three people in the fire? And said, yes, but there's a fourth one in there. Okay, this is kind of gave me chills the first time I got it. He answered and said, behold, I see four men loose walking in the middle of the fire, and there is no harm among them. And the form of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Let me tell you, folks, if the Lord is with you and you get thrown in the middle of the fire, you will find the Lord's presence right there next to you. Been there, experienced that. There's not something I'm just making up. But you have to be willing to say, you can throw us in the fire, and we're going to believe whether the Lord saves us or doesn't save us. Our heart is set that we are going to worship our God, not false, not, not be fearful of what you have said What's the worst thing that can happen to you? You can be dead. Right? Well, why is that a bad thing? If we believe all the stuff we're preaching and believing, why is that a bad thing? We, we close one door to this world, enter the presence of the Lord, and we don't have to mess with stuff for the rest of our life. Forever. It's not a bad thing. So don't fear death either. And that's why scripture talks about, you know, death, where is your victory? Grave, where, grave, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? There is no sting in death for us. It's only life. See, if you can just kind of get that out of your system, you'll become a really bold person. I've become a stupidly bold person over the last 15, 20 years. And sometimes it scares me even because, you know, I just do things and I realize it's the Holy Spirit prompting me, but I've learned to respond. And I go, oh, no, should I have done that really? Oh, oh man, I hope I didn't mess something up. Or, you know, I don't know what's going to happen now after I do it, not before. But this is what happens. What I found out is that the furnace is not a bad place to be. I just think, oh, how can that be? Well, you know, the Lord puts us in various kinds of fire through our life. It may not be a little one where your body's being consumed. You have trials. You have tribulations. You have things going crazy at home. Maybe your parents are really bad to you. Maybe you're really bad to your parents. Maybe your boss is terrible. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you lost everything you own. Maybe you got sickness. Maybe you got a situation that you have no control over that you can't change. You know? I've been in several of those places. But I have never had the Lord leave me. As a matter of fact, he shows up in the worst of circumstances because he knows that's when we need him the most. You will experience the presence of the fourth person and the fire when you're in there. But that's where you're going to meet him. So if you're afraid of the fire, don't be. You, you're going to miss out on some place. Don't be afraid of every conflict, every difficulty in your life is an opportunity for God to manifest himself. Don't look at it as a problem. Who does God stuff? 
God does God's stuff. We don't. So he has to bring us to a place where he says, okay, now you know that you can't do this. Will you please get out of the way so I can do what I do? And if, if we don't learn that, he allows things to keep happening in our life till we get to the point where we learn that. So this is the Christian walk is this way, folks. You're going to keep going around the mountain till you pass that test. You're not going to go up it, which is what you're trying to do. So embrace whatever comes your way. I mean, now, there are troubles we bring on ourselves because of our own foolishness, but we, we know what those are, and we don't need our friends to remind us about that, right? Man, you're being stupid. I said, yeah, I know. Don't remind me. You don't have to tell me. I know I'm being stupid. The Holy Spirit told me already I've been stupid. What I need you to do is encourage me, show me how not to do the stupid thing again and be there to help me, right? So we, we don't need, especially church people, to tell each other how messed up we are. Listen, I already know how messed up I am. Really well. I don't need anybody help to remind me about that. Okay, so this is one. Now, um, New Testament. Matthew chapter 14. Give a second to get there. Verses 28 through 32. All right. So if you, if you remember this passage at all of this chapter, this is after, uh, you know, Jesus left. Uh, these guys are out on, on, the, on the sea, and, and he's not with them anymore right at that point. And then he decides to go visit them. Of course, you know, God does very unusual ways of visiting people. He decides, oh, they're out on the water. I'll just walk out on the water and greet them. And the people see them and they think it's a ghost, right? And then Peter finally, Peter, finally says, what does he say? Lord, and Peter answered him and said, and Jesus said, it's, you know, it's I, don't be afraid, right? And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter had come down on the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But seeing that the wind was strong, he was afraid. And beginning to sing, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Little faith, why did you doubt? Oh, you have little faith. When they had come into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, you want to see real miracles happen in your life. Then you have to be bold enough, like Peter, to say, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out of the water. And we all get on to Peter because, I mean, Peter's the guy who denied Jesus three times. He's the one who's always shooting his mouth off. You know, he didn't know when to shut up. And, and then, you know, then he does this thing out here and goes, and then halfway there he loses his faith and he begins to sink. We all get on to him about that, right? What a loser. Well, that's what we like to think. Well, I'll tell you, Peter is the only person I know of recorded in history who walked on water other than Jesus. You know, he, he got out and he sang. But what most people don't think about is that he walked back to the boat with Jesus on the water. He didn't sink and die. But he had the boldness that even when he sang, he said, Lord, save me. And what did the Lord do? The Lord restored him. And this is a picture of our life, folks. And there's a picture of baptism there, you know, coming out of the water and coming back to new life. But this is our life. I'm telling you, we have to get this. Uh, we are not designed to sit in the boat. There's a time for that. But we are designed as children of God that God has given us the spirit in us, which is not a, what, a spirit of fear, right? 
What does scripture tell us? That God has given us what? Not the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what he's given us. Not that, oh Lord Jesus, I've put on my full armor of faith, but everybody's still throwing tomatoes at me. What do I do? Well, pick up the sword, dummy, and go after the dead devil. That's the only offensive weapon he's given you. It gets my blood boiling, you know? Don't sit there and take it. We don't have to take it. We don't have to take it. So if you want to walk in the water, you got to get out of the boat. That's what I'm telling you this morning. And, you know, it may be literal. It may not be. I don't know. I've, I've never, I've tried to walk on water, but, you know, I wasn't saying, Lord, if it's you. I was just trying to walk on water. It didn't work. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but the Lord will... There will happen times in your life when things are just going crazy. And in the middle of it, there's a peace and a calm if you're walking with the Lord. And people look at your lives and say, how do they manage to keep sane and be calm and still carry on like nothing has happened? Okay? That's one of the biggest comments we got in the early time right after Micah got hurt. I said, how come you guys aren't going crazy? I said, well, the peace of God that he promises is on our lives. I don't feel crazy. I don't feel agitated. It's, now, I'm a planner, okay? I'm Mr. Contingency. I mean, everything, if something goes wrong, I've got plan number 251. If that doesn't work, then this one will. That's the way my brain works, okay? Well, when this happened, I'm telling you, from, from the time that our friends drove us from Jackson to Vandy, it was like, I don't even know how to explain it. It was just like we were swimming in peace. And we couldn't do anything but rest. And that hasn't gone away. That's how we deal with it, our life every day. It's not easy to be in our house and, and watch what's going on with our son. And, and you know, it, it, it's a lot of emotional upheaval, uh, frustration, anger. Uh, you know, I've yelled at the Lord many a time, you know, so, you know, not very nicely sometimes, you know. But he's a big boy, he can handle it. Listen. My father and I, I know he loves me. And it's okay for me to say things to him because I'm stupid and I'm a kid. Sometimes I don't know. And I am, I am a person with feeling and I am a person who gets angry at times and frustrated at times and, and whiny at times. But he's a good father. He knows this, this is what kids do. And they're still growing up. My kids do that. You're not going to say, well, you're not my kid anymore just because you're whining today. I've never done that to my kids. I might have told them, you know, stop whining and sit down. I don't want to hear that. Talk properly, otherwise I'm not going to listen to you. Parents have done that, right? Stop that right now. And whatever you got to say, say it in words clearly so I can understand. And we'll do that. He is a big boy. He can handle it. God can handle anything you're throwing at him. Don't be afraid to do that. Be bold in that too. So here's the thing, though, folks. God hasn't brought us to, he hasn't called you to a life of fear. And we have to get this that when Jesus is in us, we're not normal people anymore. When the Holy Spirit's in you. You're, in a sense, invincible. If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen, I've been in so many situations, and I don't care how difficult it is, because if I know that the Lord has sent me there to take care of whatever it is, and he sent me in the middle of it, then I'm okay. He's going to make it work out. And sometimes it's not in the way you think it is. It's okay. 
But walking on water, man, that'd be something. And I always thought, what would, they, what would they get that like, you know? I ain't gonna swim in that water, but Peter. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come, right? And as soon as he was, he was out of the boat in the water. But the walking back part, I just can't go to them. You know, everybody, I'm like, Lord, that's, but that had to be something. I don't know if he ever tried it again. Probably not. <laughs> he was with Jesus. What I'm saying is that our lives as, as Christians, as children of God, are not, is not designed to just sit and just do normal things. We do normal things. But when we do those normal things and they energize by the Lord, they become abnormal and supernatural things. They're not just natural, they're supernatural. So a simple prayer that you pray for somebody does something. What does scripture tell us? The prayers of a righteous man, what? Avail much. That doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that you abandon yourself completely to the Lord. You trust in him and believe what he's going to say and do it. So I had this happen last Sunday. Somebody of mine walks up to me after service at the church and he says, man, my hand's been hurting. I haven't been able to sleep for three weeks. I wake up three, four times. I'm in pain. And this friend of mine, he's in construction business. I've known him for almost 30 years. And he's a very stubborn chap. So I said, have you gone to the doctor yet? See what the problem is. And probably from all the hammering he's been doing. He said, no. I said, well, you should get it taken, looked at. He says, yeah, but he said, I, I want you to pray for it. So I did. So he came up to me Wednesday night. And I said, I've been four nights now. I haven't had any pain. I've been sleeping. It's all gone. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just felt like God gave him enough faith to come and ask me a prayer. I know that Jesus works through me when I pray for people, so I just pray. This is not unique to me, folks. This is for everybody who's sitting in this room. You got to take that step. I have a real a dear friend of mine. He doesn't live here anymore. He's one of the elders of my church. His name is Leon Hoover. And uh, we talk about stuff. And, you know, Leon... We drove each other crazy for a while because he was at this end of the spectrum with me over here. And we would butt heads all the time, you know, till we got to recognize each other as different parts of the body and then made life a whole lot easier. That's really what it took, right? So he stopped trying to conform me. I stopped trying to conform him, even though I was a pastor in the church. But that was a gift the Lord gave. I had to accept. But we're talking about, you know, and he has done a lot of work uh, traveling with different people in, uh, in Mozambique. Uh, there's this person uh, called Suprise Satole. This guy's seen crazy, th and crazy things. I mean, people raised from the dead. Uh, he speaks 15 languages, of only which he's learned two naturally. So every time he, he didn't realize this for the longest time, but he was actually speaking in another tongue. This is the literal speaking tongue. But he's, he's like oversees about 5,000 uh, churches or something like that, or people anyway. And uh, he, English was given to him, I believe. But what would happen to him when he goes to a new place where they have a new language, as soon as he put his foot in that place, he starts speaking their language. In his mind, he was still speaking like normal. And the people who ask him, how do you speak our language so well? He said, oh, I don't know, the Lord gave it to me. So he speaks 15 languages like never learned. So anyway, so this is the kind of people he hangs out. You might have heard of uh, Irish Ministries, you know. Um, what are those people's names again? Roland and uh, Heidi Baker. You know, they've got like 10,000 orphans that they're taking in off the street and taking care of them, right? Yeah, she wanted to take care of one and it turned into 10,000. Uh, but anyway, so we're talking about people being raised from the dead. And, you know, I asked him about some exper cool experiences that he himself actually haven't seen. And one was them about a guy being raised to the dead. He'd been dead for three days and embalmed. And his wife wouldn't leave him. He says, no, the Lord has told me he died before his time. I'm going to sit here and pray. Guy wakes up in the middle of the night on the third day. 
completely restored to himself, okay? So, so we're talking about this. There's another person who's sitting there with us. He says, man, I don't know. These are just like stories in, you know, third world countries. I mean, I mean, who knows if it's real or not? We get a secondhand news. You know, I, I don't know. So Leon, Leon, in his typical fashion, turns around and says, so tell me, when was the last time you prayed for a dead person to be raised? And the conversation came to a screeching halt at that point, right? But he was making a very good point. You're not going to know how the Lord works if you never give him an opportunity to show himself. And that is what being bold in the Spirit is about. So, well, I don't know if healing's right or wrong, whether, I mean, or whether it works or not. I don't even know. Listen, my son's situation is a source of, uh, it, it can really get to me because I have prayed for so many people to be healed. And they've all been healed. I lay hands on that boy almost every day and pray for him, right? And I still believe God's Lord's going to heal him. So for some reason, God is allowing this to linger. And whatever it is, I'm okay with it. You guys should know that. We don't like it. And some days we cry about it. Some days we get angry about it. Some days we yell at the Lord about it. But it is okay. And God's plan, if that's what he desires, it is okay. We continue to pray because we're like that nagging woman. He said, what does the scripture say? That the judge will finally get up from his bed and give her whatever she wants because he gets tired of hearing. I don't know. I don't pray my whole life till I can't pray anymore, till I see some result. But we, we have to put ourselves where God can use us. So I'll share a quick story. Even if you're curious about the thing, you know, a lot of times people discourage you, well, don't test the Lord. It's okay if you want to know how the Lord works. Don't be stupid about it. I mean, like, don't jump off the building because Jesus told the devil to go to wherever he came from, right? When he asked him to jump off. Uh, uh, because that, that's, not, that's not necessary. So some years ago, I read this little passage. There's a little passage in the New Testament where Paul talks, of, talks about if, if any of your church members are sick and they can't come, he says, bring an article of clothing, right? And you pray over it and you lay it on them, they'll be healed. Read in the New Testament, okay? I don't know where exactly which book. But I was like, hmm, what does that mean? I believed it. I mean, I, it, you know, if God does things like that, he does it right. But I'd never seen it happen, never had an opportunity to, you know, that's where all this whole prayer cloth business comes out. I think people take it too far, especially if they ask him money for, you know, a $10 prayer cloth. Don't give it to him. <laughs> that's what I say. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, give it to somebody who needs some food in downtown walk on the streets or something. But, um, uh, uh, so I was working. I was working on some shelves in, in, in my garage, and uh, my best friend's wife came up, and she came for something to the house. And uh, I asked him, you know, how he's, uh, how he's doing, and his name is Julian. And he said, well, he's lying at home sick, and I don't know what's going on. And just like that, this passage came to my mind. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I go upstairs and get a Kleenex, because it's the only thing I could find lying around that I could send home with her. I prayed over it, and I sent it home. I said, Take this home and pray over Julian when he gets over there. We'll see what happens. What she does, and he gets well. I say, okay, well, that settles that. And you're going to ask me, well, what if that hadn't worked? It never entered my mind to tell you the truth. I was just curious to see. But there are opportunities like this. When the Lord puts you and you feel the Holy Spirit's prompting, just move on it. What's the worst thing that can happen? People can say, no, I don't want you to pray for him. Pray for him. Right? 
talking about, what did I say? Uh, I was sharing this. So I'm on the lift. I didn't finish that story, did I? So one of the guys out there, you know, he's going through stuff, and we share. And the Lord said, pray for him. So here I'm standing in the middle of the lift, and, then, you know, people, we have also learned, I tell people to be comfortable praying with their eyes open. You know, Jesus can hear you if your eyes are open. I mean, a lot of churches think that he can't because they always have to close their eyes when they pray or they have to get into this, you know, mode. Okay, if you're out in public, man, that's just stupid. Don't do that. I mean, if somebody wants to do that out of habit, it's fine. I mean, don't make a freak out of yourself, you know, when you're praying. Make people comfortable. Yeah, and just tell them, I tell them, I say, okay, don't close your eyes or anything. We're just going to pray for you. We're going to stand here. The Lord can hear us. And their eyes get big at that point. I say, okay, I've never had pray. anybody pray for me without me. Eyes being like this. So I do that. So we educate people. Jesus can hear you just fine. And uh, so, you know, I prayed for him and we leave. And I've done that several times. I've had it happen at work. I don't know if it's legal to do where I am. I don't care. I don't. At that point, you have to decide what's more important, listening to the Lord or being playing it safe or being politically correct. And I can tell you I'm the king of politically incorrect, sometimes unintentionally, but it happens. <clears throat> See? So what was one of the early things that happened to the disciples? You know, we talk about, in Acts, we hear about Pentecost, right? So everybody's gathered and uh, what happens? They get pray, they get the Holy Spirit comes and descends on them. And it says they became filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was the first thing that happened? They started sharing the word of the Lord, right? That's what made them bold. A bunch of people sitting there trying to figure out what happened. Jesus is around. I know these are things he spoke about. We're still in confusion. We don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit comes on them. All of a sudden, they have a sound mind. They have love, they have boldness, and they go out. And it says the church was at what? 3,000 people added to the church that day. Okay, another instance. Peter preaching, and the, you know they heal a person on the Sabbath day, right? Uh, Peter and John. And scribes and Pharisees pull them in and say, we're going to threaten these guys. Say, you can't do this on the Sabbath anymore. Well, they said the Lord told us to heal this guy. So they can't deny the miracle. See, here's the thing. And, 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 and what happened at this point? So Acts chapter 4, just read that through, you know, find out that they pull them in and they, they say, and, and, and preachers start, I mean, Peter starts preaching to them and say, well, this is what you did and you're the guys who crucified Christ. And he gets all over them about it, you know. Not only is he not afraid, he's telling them, go mind your own business because this is what the Lord told us to do. Now, don't be obnoxious like that unless the Lord tells you to. In this particular case, Peter was right. So, but here's the result of it. This is pretty cool to me. Seeing the boldness of Peter and John this is Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And perceiving that they were unlearned and uneducated men, they marveled and they recognized them that they had been with Jesus. That's, that's our end all goal, right? That people should marvel and know that we have been with Jesus. And this is what I'm trying to tell you today, folks. Do not be afraid, do not be shy. Every person in this place is created for this time and this season to do particular things that the Lord has prepared for you. As scripture says, in advance. He has prepared good works in advance for us to do. Just find what those are. You know? And uh, if you're not sure, take somebody with you. Uh, but there will come a, You have to stop depending on people. Okay? 
That's right. Part of the new covenant, which is in Jeremiah, but it's, it's spoken about later in Peter too, I believe. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. So the Lord will write his word on your heart, and it will come out of your mouth if you will be bold enough to get out of the boat. You want to walk on the water, you got to get on it. Or you can stay in the boat and say, oh, that was a cool thing. wonder when that's going to happen again. And a good portion of church people are like that. Always afraid, always tentative. Not because they're, they're really afraid, it's just because it's out of, outside of your comfort zone. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is here to move your comfort zone around till you die. Till you get completely comfortable with having no comfort zone. He will. Every time you guys settle down, he'll say, okay, and I'm sitting down and get up and let's go somewhere else. You talk about somebody getting out of their comfort zone. Think about what Abraham was thinking when the Lord told him, get up and leave. He took the whole town with him, right? I mean, he was a king. So when he got up and left, everybody had to go with him. It wasn't just because it was like, what, two million people, right? That's been out of your comfort zone. I have to tell you a funny tie cap story, though. So we were in Sunday school one day, and, you know, he, he and I were both the numbers kind of guy. We kind of run things, you know, we're talking about how fast they could sacrifice this and the other. And he said he finally figured out why there's a desert in Israel. He said they made it. Because two million people are cutting down wood every day, and as they moved along, they just created the desert till they got to the promised land. That's funny. Sorry. I shared that story with many people. Anyway, that's just an aside. What I want you <laughs> but you have to be in a place where you feel bold enough, free enough to do the thing that the Lord calls you to do. And I'm telling you, you will see, your whole life will completely change. It won't be dull anymore. You won't be wondering about why the Lord's not using you. The Lord wants to use you. But you got to be willing to put yourself in that place. He's not going to use you on your terms. God has his own way of doing things. And if you put him in a box, he's not going to do anything. So just be ready. When you ask the Holy Spirit, do something cool in my life, he's going to disrupt everything you know. In a good way. You don't have to be afraid about it. You don't have to be afraid of the Lord at all. God is good. All the time. All the time. All right, let me pray. Father God, I just thank you. And I praise you because you're a good God. You're a kind God. You're a merciful God. And you take people like me, Lord, and do something with my life. And Lord, I know every person in this room has felt, well, what am I going to do? Lord, I pray today that you would give them a sense of how much you love them, how much you care about them in a tangible way, and that they would completely change their way of looking at life and go about seeking and hearing your voice so that just like a good sheep, they hear your voice and follow, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that for myself. I pray for, for our church and for all those who come into our circle of influence, Father. Lord, I pray that you give us the boldness to do the thing that normal people don't do because you have called us to be a peculiar uh, generation, a, a strange people, a people full of the power 
of, the, of God, of, and of sound mind and of boldness. So, Lord, I just pray today, Father, in the name of Jesus, for a spirit of boldness to pervade all of us, Lord, from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, every person who's out here, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, that you cover us in your blood. Lord, I pray there'll be an impartation, Father, that'll work its way out, Lord. Not looking for heavenly zaps, Father, but simply the quiet voice that says, this is the way, walk in it. Here's someone you need to talk to. Here's someone you need to give a hug to. Here's someone you need to share a word with. Whatever it is, Father, that there will be ministry and rivers of living water flowing out of our life, Father. So, Lord, I pray for that. For every person, Lord, not only those who are part of our church, but those who just come here, Lord, those who come under our sphere of influence, whoever we touch, wherever our land goes, Lord, I pray that we'll be like the Israelites, that wherever we walk, where our foot falls, that that is the land you've given us to hold and to possess. So, Lord, we claim that in the name of Jesus. Lord, we claim your promise to us that says you will be with us wherever we are forever, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, Lord. Lord, we claim your promise that the Holy Spirit will come and lead us into all manner of truth and that he will show us things that are yet to happen. And Lord, we claim that promise in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that when we fall into the, when we are cast into fiery situations, Lord, where we don't know that you will be there immediately, Lord, and people will marvel and say, surely they have been with the Lord. I pray, Father, that it will be the testimony of every person in this place, Father. But we just trust you and we praise you. And Lord, help us not to be afraid. Lord, we uh, get fearful a lot of times of what you're going to do or what's going to happen. Lord, I pray that you would overcome and put so much love in our hearts that it will overcome all fear as your word promises, Father. So we thank you for that this morning. Lord, I pray that the words that have been spoken will bear fruit in due season. And we ask your blessing on our lives as we go from here. Pray that you be with us. And this, that immediately, Lord, it's just starting even today that we'll begin to start to walk on the water, get out of the boat, and do the things that you ask us to do. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.